This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Connor Morissette from USCFootball.com. Connor, you are smack dab in the middle of the new era of USC football. How is it going with the Jen Cohen era down at USC? Fans seem to really like Jen Cohen so far, and she's kind of lurked in the background a little bit right now. I'm hearing some things about NIL meetings with people and just seeing her at football practice a little bit. She hasn't really done anything publicly since being hired, but I think overall fans are really happy that she was brought in and so far so good. I saw a thread out on your board. A guy was complaining that they hadn't heard from the athletic director. You're not supposed to. If things are going well, if things are going well, you don't need to hear from the athletic director, right? That's exactly right. And just based on when she was hired, the overwhelming sense of positivity from people in Washington, like about what she did. And I I think fans are, are excited for the future. And when she does need to make a decision or do something, people are confident she's going to make the right one. So which one of the staff members, right? You, Ryan, any of the other guys, which one of you has come closest to getting suspended by Lincoln Riley? That's a funny question. Uh, I don't think any of us have come too close. Although the other day at practice, after uh, the guys wrapped up, Lincoln Riley took some questions and he talked about how he feels like USC is five to 10 plays away defensively from really improving. And I asked him what gives him confidence that USC is five to 10 plays away and that they can make those adjustments. And he got a little angry and said the Cal game last week when we got a fourth quarter stop. So I think I've annoyed him the most maybe this year out of the whole staff, but haven't come close to getting suspended. I don't think. What is it like with him down there? He suspends a reporter. And I thought the worst thing was not letting him. I mean, LA is the media capital of the world and he doesn't let players talk after, after a game. I didn't like the players talking the suspension. There was a little bit of blame on both sides, I'd say, and I won't get too much into it, but you're right. The optics of that certainly weren't good. And the way just the backlash happened with all that didn't help the football team. And I don't know if it's connected at all, but that suspension occurred around USC's bye week right before the Arizona state game. And since then the Trojans really haven't played very good football. And again, I don't think that's connected, but it's just sort of a funny little tidbit since that suspension, that was sort of the turning point of the season a little bit. They haven't really strung together consistent performances outside of the first half against Colorado. It's been a lot of ups and downs, even though they are winning for the most part, a couple losses in there. But uh, yeah, I, I just think that suspension right now, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, since that happened, the team wasn't playing as well. And again, I keep repeating myself. I don't know if it's connected or not, but it's tough to not draw that parallel right now. A lot of attention um, when he was hired, a lot of uh, a lot of hype when Lincoln Riley was hired, 10-year contracts, you know, rumored $10 million a year. But, uh, you know, being into this just a little ways is he a fit at usc i think the future will determine that because this year if the usc does go on to lose a couple games down the stretch here and 
of course, that would mean they didn't reach the expectations that so many people thought we'll kind of see, because I feel like when things have gone wrong in his career, he's gotten quiet a little bit. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word. For example, we used to be able to watch 15 to 20 minutes of practice, and now we're watching six to seven minutes, and it's just the guy stretching. They've tightened up everything. This week, we only had coaches and players speak for one day, and we didn't get an offensive assistant. Usually, we get an offensive assistant every week, and players talk two days after practice. So things are tightening up, and I think if the season doesn't go the way that they expect, the future will really determine that. Is Lincoln Riley going to adjust? Is he going to learn from this season? Of course, with the X's and O's, but also just dealing with media in LA and just what it takes to be a head coach at, at USC. Because I think right now we're kind of just going along with it, but at the end of the year, I, I think reporters, I know one likes to hear reporters complaining, but I, I think we do have some justified complaints about how the last couple of weeks have gone and maybe he won't care at all about that. But at the beginning of the year, he, he brought everyone in a huddle before the USC media day and just talked about how, you know, whatever we can do to help you, just let us know. And now a few games don't go their way. Things are getting really tight. Just the optics of it all don't look good. Yeah. There were a lot of talk, you know, before the season started and a couple of games into the season that the plan was for Lincoln Riley to follow Caleb Williams, wherever he went in the draft uh, into the NFL. But I just don't see that happening right now. I think he's got a little bit of toxicity going on around him right now. Are you kind of sensing the same thing? Were you hearing the same thing? The NFL rumors have been interesting. The the one guy who sort of put those out there was a guy named Scott Wolf, who has covered <laughs> USC for a long time. But yeah, you, you laugh. He, he hasn't been credentialed for a long time, and he sort of enjoys seeing USC suffer. I think that's fair to say. So I don't doubt that he heard something, but it, it seemed like maybe he was looking for something just to go public because it would paint USC in a bad light. And, and and Scott had a great podcast for a long time. I do like a lot of his work. You can kind of see the themes with him, though, if you follow his work, just kind of what he's trying to do. So he was the only reporter, really, that I saw that that put a report out there talking about Lincoln Riley to the NFL, and people just ran with it. So I don't really know how truthful those rumors are. Could an NFL person have said, hey, you know, maybe we'll look at Lincoln Riley. I, I, I don't doubt that, but... I agree with you, Kim. I don't think that right now Lincoln Riley to the NFL is is really a, a strong possibility, and I don't know how many people truly are talking about that. If USC is the easy button, Scott Wolf never misses an opportunity to push it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> some of his stuff is pretty far out there, but some of it's pretty, pretty damn funny as well. Uh, Alex Grinch, a few years ago, he was the hottest commodity, the up-and-coming future head coach, but boy, has he fallen flat on his face. What's going on with Alan Grinch and that USC defense, and do they teach tackling down there? I remember after the Cotton Bowl, or no, after the Pac-12 championship game, excuse me, where USC missed like over 20 tackles, a reporter asked Lincoln Riley, do you teach tackling? And he got so mad. (laughs) So you're not the only one to ask that they do of course, but it certainly doesn't look like it at times. I think with Alex Grinch, he's saying all the right things right now. He's saying the standard that we have for ourselves. We're not meeting it. It's my fault. It's on me, but the the problems can be summed up pretty much with a sentence that he said this week. He, He said, when we got the fourth down stop against Cal late in the fourth quarter that Lincoln Riley is, said is going to be a rallying cry and the turning point for the season. 
that was the same play call that they called when USC was gassed for a 61 yard touchdown run in the first quarter. So it just seems to me the coaching staff thinks that they're putting these guys in the right positions a lot of the time. And then the execution hasn't been there, but if the execution isn't there consistently and we see these explosive plays pop up week after week after week, I think it's fair to question the coaching. And like I keep saying, everyone on that staff for the most part, yeah, they say we need to be better, but they consistently sort of say we're putting guys in the right spots and there's some sort of disconnect there because yeah, sometimes guys do make nice plays, but consistently there have been these explosive plays defensively. I think USC is like 130th out of 135 teams in explosive plays allowed this year. That's obviously not good enough for the talent they have. That falls on Alex Grinch, and he can only say the right things for so long. These next three weeks with Washington, with Oregon on the road, with UCLA, USC's defense bottomed out a year ago. Looks like the schedule is <clears throat> excuse me, putting them in a position to potentially bottom out this year. It hasn't been good enough, and it's on Alex Grinch. There's nothing else really to say right now. Somebody asked me if it was really um, Alex Grinch at USC because they think he's down at Arizona and Johnny Nansen's at USC. Is that true? (laughs) Johnny Nansen's defense has been fantastic. And what's funny, as you know, when he was here, people didn't like him here. And they did a nice job against USC, ultimately losing in the overtimes. But, yeah, he's looking like a way better coach right now. And that's just college football, I guess. You you never really know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like one year – USC fans are in love with Riley and they're so happy he's here. Now we get all these messages and I think it's a vocal minority, but a lot of people are like fire him. We want to bring in Kalen DeBoer. We want DeBoer to follow Gen Co. It's bizarre. A lot of stuff that's happened. Do they have the talent on the defensive side? There's no reason for USC not to have the talent, but it is there. Is it there? I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's not as good as I thought but it should be better than it is, if that makes sense. I I really believe that the talent that they have should be getting better outputs. And a great example of this is linebacker Eric Gentry, who was a Arizona State transfer a couple of years ago. He was with USC last season, and now he's in his second season with the Trojans. And he played his best game of his USC career against Cal, had a couple passes batted down, had an interception, was just all over the field. And then you look at his snap counts the last couple of weeks, played two snaps against Notre Dame defensively. He played nine defensive snaps against Colorado. Going into the year, everyone thought he was going to be one of the pillars of the linebacker room. And he was coming off of an injury, but insistent that he was fully healthy to begin the year. And it's just things like that kind of make you scratch your head. This guy was supposed to be alongside Oklahoma State transformation Cobb. Those were the, the linebackers that everyone assumed were going to start. And against Cal, that was really the first time they played a bunch of series together, and that's game nine. So not only can you talk about the defensive execution, but sometimes it's a little bit of a head-scratcher as to who's playing. And you could talk about the second safety spot, too. Kalen Bullock, an All-American, of course he deserves to be out there, but it took Zion Branch, who was a top 100 guy in the class of 2022, I believe, way too long to get on the field. And USC was just not getting what it needed from its second safety position. He gets to start against Cal. Unfortunately, he's out for the year. He hurt his knee in that game. It just took a really long time for something that I thought was sort of an obvious fix to occur. So people aren't only frustrated with what's happening on the field. They're happening with who is and isn't on the field too. I think those concerns are fair as well. 
with Washington, with uh, Michael Penix and Washington throwing the football. They've tried to establish the run, but they've struggled. And I expect Washington to air it out uh, against USC on Saturday. Tell me about that defensive secondary and how comfortable are you with uh, a guy like Michael Penix coming in, throwing the ball vertically down the field? Well, let me start by saying if you can't run the ball and you play against USC, usually good things happen against Arizona State. They could not run the ball at all against Fresno State, and they were running it all over USC with Cam Scadaboo. But yeah, defensively in that defensive backfield, I think the corners have been pretty solid overall for USC. Damani Jackson and Christian Roland Wallace have carved out starting roles against Cal. They had a few misplays and, and they didn't look fantastic, but Christian Roland Wallace is an NFL prospect, a transfer from Arizona. Damani Jackson, a really highly ranked recruit. Their corners are solid, but I think Washington's receivers and Michael Penix win that matchup going away you, you can't just be solid against those guys you need to be exceptional and I don't know if the USC corners have an exce- exceptional performance in them the safeties outside of Kalen Bullock have been questionable this year just question marks Jalen Smith had a for his standards he's the nickel safety had a terrible game against Cal two pass interference penalties he was in coverage on a touchdown it, it looks like Washington will target him just because of his struggles the last couple of weeks. And then I, I mentioned the other safety alongside Kalen Bullock. That looks like it'll be Bryson Shaw now with all the injuries that USC suffered. And against Colorado, they picked all over him. So there are matchups that Washington can expose in USC's defensive backfield. I said on our podcast the other day, the great equalizer is pressure. And USC's defensive line is probably the best unit on their defense. They haven't gotten consistent pressure recently. But if they can pressure Penix, that might allow him to make some plays. But if he has time, I don't trust USC's defensive backs to make the consistent stops they need. When USC is played against guys who are bound for the NFL under Lincoln Riley, it, it has not been pretty. Last year, Michael Mayer, the tight end for Notre Dame, caught two touchdowns. Tajay Spears, the running back for Tulane, had a massive game in the Cotton Bowl. Dalton Kincaid had a huge game against USC, the tight end, who's now on the Bills. I think he w- was targeted 16 times in the regular season and made 16 catches when the talent is fantastic and NFL level and USC's defense is going up against it, those guys have traditionally had a field day. And I think this one's going to be a shootout. Maybe whoever has the ball last wins that sort of game. I think Washington's going to have an effective uh, passing attack in this one, just because they're really good. And USC's defense hasn't shown they can stop effective passing attacks this year. The one guy you didn't mention was a former Washington Husky, the transfer Jacoby Covington. How's he doing? He has missed the last three games with an injury, but it was, was back at practice this week. I've always liked what I've seen from him. He sort of had a coming out party against Arizona with an interception that flipped the game. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. I think if he sticks around at USC next year, he could have a really big role with Roland Wallace going to the NFL. Um, I I like what I've seen from him, but he's been hurt. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the other side of the ball, of course, you've got the All-American, former Heisman Trophy winner, and Caleb Williams. But, uh, boy, your offensive line, it looks like it is struggling. Yeah, it's been not as good as last season, which is a surprise because USC used the transfer portal to bring in some big-time additions. And for whatever reason, the line just hasn't gelled like a lot of people thought. The worst performance this year was Notre Dame, and that led offensive line coach Josh Henson to make some changes. So they brought in a right guard off the bench in Mason Murphy, so he's now starting at right guard, and they bumped the old right guard, Jared Kingston, a Washington State transfer, out to right tackle. And against Utah, that unit performed pretty well. Against Cal, there were more issues, but I do think that the new look offensive line is better than the old one. The problem is a lot of guys are just out of position. Jonah Monheim played right tackle last year. He projects as a guard in the NFL. He's playing left tackle, and he's doing a nice job, but he's not in his natural spot. Emmanuel Prenyon, who transferred in from Wyoming, he's doing a lot better at left guard, but he hadn't played there in his career. He was more of a right guard at Wyoming. Justin Dietrich was a guard last year. Center is his natural spot, but he's had a tough time adjusting in his final year of college to center. Mason Murphy was a tackle. Now he's playing guard. So I think the questions you can have about the USC offensive line or why weren't guys playing in their natural spots from the beginning. Of course, the offensive line coach, Josh Henson knows a hell of a lot more about offensive line play than I do. I just thought it would look a little bit better if he was so sure that these guys were all in their right spots. And now that it hasn't looked as good, I think it's a fair question to wonder, Hey, if these guys were in their natural positions, would USC be getting better play? You know, the thing is, it looks like USC is desperately, desperately, desperately looking for a number one wide receiver. Uh, they really miss Jordan Addison. Um, did they have anybody who can step up towards the last portion of this season to step up to take that, you know, number one, uh, number one receiver position? It would be two guys. It would either be Brendan Rice, son of Jerry Rice, who has been solid and he consistently catches touchdowns, but he's disappeared a little bit here in some of the bigger games. Taj Washington is USC's most consistent receiver, a slot receiver. I think he has an NFL future. He won't be a high pick, but he's a guy who goes to work every day and is really talented. So I I think a lot of USC fans would say one of those guys should be a number one receiver. They're good enough, but just looking at what's happened this year, I think objectively they're both number twos on a really, really good offense, and USC doesn't have that number one option like you mentioned. So those would be the two guys who – could potentially step up and be that number one option. In some weeks, they have been. But when the competition's gotten a lot better, those guys, they've had some nice moments, but they haven't been as consistent as they were earlier in the season. So it's possible one of them steps up and takes over that number one role. But now that USC is going up against these ranked opponents who are really, really talented, I wouldn't bet on that. Washington's been missing their big guy in the middle, uh, Tuli Latula Gasanoa expecting him back this week, but they've struggled the last couple of weeks in uh, the run game. Tell me about the run game. USC is always noted for having a strong running back. Against Utah, Lincoln Riley opted not to run the ball as much as a lot of people expected. Marshawn Lloyd, the great running back USC has, transferred from South Carolina. He had a costly fumble in that game, and then he got kind of buried. He bounced back against Cal with 
100 yards on the ground and then a couple catches that really set USC up for success. He's the best running back on the team. Austin Jones is a great running back too, but Marshawn Lloyd, he's the guy with the NFL future. He's the guy who is a next level player who can break off the big runs who Washington should be worried about. He's been as advertised from South Carolina. He was a really highly rated recruit. He's only about 5'8", 5'9", but he's built like a truck, really hard to tackle. He leads the team in missed tackles force by a wide, wide margin. So he's the guy to watch out for. And when USC hasn't used him, it hasn't been like it's been Marshawn Lloyd making mistakes. It's Lincoln Riley choosing to put the ball in Caleb Williams' hands over running the ball more. So they've sort of beaten themselves a little bit, USC, when they choose not to, to run the ball. And I think Lincoln Riley learned a lesson against Utah. He, he knows the Trojans need to be more balanced. They were way more balanced against Cal, ultimately scored 50 points. I think we'll see a lot of Marshawn Lloyd this week. What kind of crowd are we expecting for uh, Saturday? It's a sellout. I think if USC had lost to Cal, that would have made this game uh, take a major, major hit from a crowd perspective. But it is a sellout. I expect a lot of fans to be there. USC, of course, does control its own destiny in the Pac-12. If they win out, they would go to the Pac-12 championship game. So it's not like the team doesn't have anything to play for. People are really disappointed. A lot of diehard USC fans that the team already has two losses and they're pretty much out of the college football playoff. But on the flip side, even though it hasn't really looked consistently good at times this year, the Trojans do have an opportunity to finish the year strong. And so I think fans... They haven't totally jumped off the bandwagon yet. They're they're still somewhat bought in because of the opportunity ahead of USC, and I think that'll lead to a really loud Coliseum Saturday night. One of the things I'm intrigued about coming down there is uh, Petros Papadakis is on up here every week uh, uh-huh. on Sports Radio 950, and he's been commenting on the screaming DJ in the Coliseum. What's up with the screaming DJ? It's a good question. That They have a DJ who is pretty loud and sometimes the music sort of clashes with what, with what the band is doing. And I know that it, it, I mean, I'm in the press box. It doesn't really bother me, but I know fans have voiced their concerns like the game day experience. Can we either go with like the DJ and then the band like plays when the DJ isn't doing what he's doing or vice versa, or maybe just the band people I don't think are too happy with the game day experience. And and again, that could be a lot of people who are just loud on social media I, I don't really know if we polled everyone who goes to the games consistently what they think. Um, but yeah, I think the the game day presentation, there have been some complaints and it's a lot of noise in there. I'll say that. What are you expecting on Saturday? Well, I said on the podcast that I did with Ryan Abraham, my coworker, I can't pick USC in a game against a really good offense until I see better results. USC's defense, people will say, yeah, you know, USC has no pressure on them now and they have two losses, they're playing with house money. They are on offense, but on defense, the pressure is really, really there, I think, because they haven't played very well over the last few weeks. So I think Washington wins by a field goal. I know the line is, I think, three right now. Washington is a favorite. USC is is getting three points. If I was placing a wager on this game, I'd maybe buy a half a point and bet on Washington. I do think that they're going to win this one by a tight margin. USC's offense is really good. Even though it hasn't been firing on all cylinders, they're still in the top 10 in yards and points per game. It hasn't maybe looked as good as people thought, but if you just look at the numbers, the offense is really, really good. So Washington will be in for, of course, a a tough assignment defensively, but I trust Washington's defense way more than I trust USC's defense, even though Washington will be on the road in this one. I think Washington wins by three. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, which Washington team are we going to see? Are we going to see the uh, team that played against Oregon? Or are we going to see the team that played against Arizona State? With that being said, um, Michael Penix, after the game last week, I mean, he came in. He looked like hell. I mean, he just, he was wheezing. He had that long face. <laughs> it was obvious he wasn't feeling well. And he said he'd been staying away from people, but we're in a 10 by 10 room with, you know, 25 guys all over 50 and he's wheezing and sneezing on us. So uh, that was special. <laughs> so it'll yeah, be the, flu, the flu or whatever was running through the locker room, right? Pretty. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. So uh, we'll see. I mean, we will see. So uh, like I said, you know, is, is that I always, I say this all the time, you know, when people do things or teams do things, is that what they did or is that who they are? So I think we need the answer to that question with Washington, you know, with what they did against Stanford and Arizona State. Is that what they did or is that who they are? I think we're going to get that answered because this road does not get any easier with Washington, with Utah next week, followed up by Oregon State and then Washington State. So it doesn't get any easier. And and Cal's got uh, Washington this week. Is it Oregon next week? So uh, USC has Washington and then Oregon on the road, and then they finish up with UCLA. So it doesn't get much easier for them either. <laughs> Are you going to Eugene? Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't wait for that one. And I'm sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure you saw uh, the Pac-12 did like the six-day window, so we don't even know what time that game is going to be yet. Yeah, and it looks like they announced some dates for the schedule for next uh, next year. Have you seen that? I believe it comes out at one, the full schedule, but yeah, I'm seeing some of that too right now coming. Yeah. They're releasing a little bit of that. And the first thing I did was I looked for the month of November to see if there was any Midwest trips. I not look, I would not look forward to going to Iowa city or Lincoln, Nebraska, or uh, any of the Midwest uh, sites in November. So it doesn't look like we're going to do that. So anyways, Connor, Hey, I appreciate you jumping on. You're better than Ryan Abraham, by the way, tell him I said so. (laughs) <laughs> sounds good I'll, I'll see you in the press box on saturday kim we will see you there